0: I'm Barnabas, I'm 25 years old, uh, I'm from Budapest, I've, you know, I've studied international relations and EU studies and I, I studied, like, I spent like half of my studies abroad, I'm actually a, a CEU student, uh, a student from Leiden University and I've also spent some time in, in Italy and I've worked in the European Parliament and then since then I've moved home because of Momentum, and I'm doing Momentum now.
1: My name is Miklos. I'm a 22-year-old, third-year student at the University of Oxford, studying philosophy, politics, and economics. Um, I spent two months at the Global Public Policy Institute uh, in Berlin. I also worked for the dean of the Central European University School of Public Policy on, uh, on a public policy graduate module. And uh, last year, I worked in the summer for Google in Brussels.
2: The voices you just heard belong to Barnabas Kadar and Miklos Hoina. Barnabas sits on Momentum Movement's board. Miklos is Momentum's spokesperson. I sat down with the two of them last week to talk about their party. Thank you for tuning in to the Budapest Beacon podcast. I'm your host, Ben Novak. I asked the two to tell me about how they joined Momentum. Here's Barnabas.
0: Momentum is basically in, like, at its core and, and its beginning. It was just people who, who had similar ideas how to shape the future of Hungary and, 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 and like, what are the problems, and it just got them together. And then they started, it was originally nine people, beginning, I think, at like, the beginning of t- uh, 2015. Uh, and then it gradually expanded. Uh, I think uh, Mickey was uh, coming like a half year earlier, no, even more, I think like even a year earlier than me. I've actually got involved because I met uh, Andras, the, the current uh, president of Momentum in Brussels, and he just basically convinced me that there is this cool group and they are organizing some sort of camp. I didn't know much about it, and then I just went to the camp, and uh, as I said, the company was just too good. And then... Uh, Momentum has this strange thing when, if you really want to do stuff, you know they, they they elevate you and you just like you you get way more responsibilities than you actually want, but you 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 get you know really high in the you know this imaginary positions we have, and then uh, then I, I just got more and more involved. I just realized I'm working more for Momentum than my my real job, and and then it got me home, and then now I think I have like a, a bit bit less than a month left at my current workplace. And I'm gonna do full time momentum, as as until my money lasts, basically.
2: Here's Mikloš explaining how he joined Momentum. In 2015, one of my friends, who
1: who studies in London at UCL, he mentioned that some of his friends, who study at uh, Roik, which is one of these kind of specialist colleges um, that Corvinus University has. Um, so so that they are organizing something together with some other guys who are in other colleges. And it all just looked like people inviting their friends and their friends. So it looked like it's it's this kind of political camp, but there's nothing really out in public about it, and it's just growing organically, but pretty underground. Uh, at the same time, the, the people they invited to talk to us were, were actually... Um, quite famous um, political scientists, quite famous, um, well, you could just call them pundits as well. Um, and at the same time, the third thing for me, what really um, struck me when I when I arrived at this camp was that these guys took themselves pretty seriously. So, so when I went there and I, I got a leaflet and it included the CV of all the organizers, and it just looks like they are up to something. And at the end, they gave us a little manifesto, which I don't think any of us really remembers now, but that wasn't really the point. The point was that we, we, we kind of show some some pre-commitment to, to joining politics, to joining some kind of public discourse. So, so we've been organizing a lot of camps since then. Uh, and, and thankfully, we, we are now not just growing organically anymore. And we are not, you know, hiding anymore, but, but doing this in public now. And that certainly, um, that kind of publicity helped us in, in gaining attention and actually recruiting a lot more members.
2: One can certainly understand how this otherwise unknown movement gained so much publicity. Earlier this year, Momentum Movement blasted onto Hungary's political scene with its hugely successful No Olympics campaign. The goal of the campaign was to put Budapest's bid to host the 2024 Olympic Games to referendum. After receiving almost 100,000 more signatures than the minimum amount required to put the issue on the ballot, Momentum forced the national government to completely drop its support of the bid. Budapest was ultimately forced to pull out of the contest. Momentum's campaign signaled a dramatic change in Hungary's domestic political landscape. Suddenly, after years of a stagnating opposition a new political power emerged, one capable of taking a wildly unpopular issue and mobilizing voters behind what remains of Hungary's democratic institutions, the referendum. Despite the success of the campaign, momentum was targeted in the media by politicians and pundits alike. Fidesz politicians and even Hungarian Socialist Party MEP Tibor Sanyi have accused momentum of being sponsored by Hungary's old liberal elite. Pundits on the left have suggested that Momentum's sudden arrival on the political scene is somehow a fetus machination to further divide an already small and divided opposition. But for all the rumors, one fact remains. Momentum is here. It's now in the process of registering as a party, and it already has one significant political victory under its belt. But even with its first big victory in the bag, it's not as though Momentum has a completely unified platform. Barnabas tells me the movement started off with a general agreement amongst its members that what is happening in Hungary needs to end. I asked him whether he sensed a sort of revolutionary spirit within the group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, no, that, that was the one big thing which originally brought us together. Even now we have this saying and Momentum that, you know, if we are successful, many of the people would uh, sit in the opposite side of the parliament in like 20, uh, 20 years because we, we have differences. We have differences of uh, like how big the state should be or, or where, where do we draw the line of, uh, of performance and solidarity. But we do agree on that things in Hungary just really don't go well. And, and we really have to have to get together and, and change it because like on the one hand you have the government, which is, which is just insanely bad. And then on the other hand, you have the opposition which is just, you know, just doesn't have any force. And we just saw them fail, not fail, but you do know, not do anything really for years. And in, in, in this sense, they became part of the system. And then we, we just wanted to start out something, uh, something new. And yeah, we, we called ourselves the, the political orphans. And um, and yeah, so and but beside not having, you know, like something we all completely agree on when it comes to economy and stuff. We do have general things which we agree on, which is this uh, now we call it this triumvirate of uh, of positive view on nation, which is basically like patriotism. Because in Hungary, if you say you're a you're nationalist, it has like really bad connotations to it, and uh, really negative. That usually nowadays, if you say you're nationalist, you mean I'm nationalist and I don't like all these other people, these other other people from, from like other countries and, and, and some citizens even of my own country. And, and we, we say we have this positive view on nationhood. And then we have um, uh, solidarity. Like the country is just really, really a wreckage at, in a certain sense that many, like one million people are just so poor that they, the, the poverty is just keep uh, reproducing itself because the state doesn't help these people to elevate themselves. And um, so we, we have to have solidarity towards them. And then we, we believe in performance because performance is just completely out of this country now. Uh, you know, you are never really judged by your market performance, but only, you know, which politicians, you know, uh, and all of that. And many of us, like you, you could uh, hear it from our introductions that we, we, we've we been living abroad. We saw how democracy is supposed to work, how the government is supposed to work, how, how, how things should go. And then they... They just don't go how they go in other countries in Hungary. So so that's, I guess that's why we, we, we talk about this, you know, this how, how, how things should be. And this is our f- like first three things we agree
1: o- agreed on. I want to stress a point Barney made on diversity. So if you look at us, it's essentially when you look at the demographics, it's from the age of 19 up until 35 organically. And now, I mean, I, I just had an interview with a guy who's 53, and they don't seem to have a problem with, with how old we are. Um, similarly, politically, but pretty diverse. Um, we we have quite a lot of debates internally, and we are not really secretive about this. So so it takes some time for us to to form consensus on on any kind of position we take, uh, which is often difficult. And I don't think there's a best practice for that. How how to have a, a party that has internal public debates and is democratic in that sense, but at the same time is effective once it takes a certain position and is actually able to implement that position. Um, I think I think that's a challenge from us where we've been doing pretty well so far, but of course it's only been a few months. Um, but also diversity from the perspective that we all have different stories. So, so some of us are lawyers, it's, but it's, it's not just a party of lawyers. If you, if you look at Fides, for example, it was essentially, it, it started purely by lawyers. Um, we have a lot more economists, doctors, engineers. So, so it's also more diverse from that perspective. And that altogether, I think, results in, you know, you couldn't just simply say that all of us had a tipping point at the same time. I think what's what what what's perhaps a, a more accurate description is that we we are all critical about the current regime and and we are all fed up with the current regime. and And this is not something where once you have a tipping point, then you just let go and 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 you, I don't know, you go to the Parliament and protest and then you had enough. this is this is a feeling where you, you are not satisfied until the point that you actually are able to change the regime. So I think that's, that's something that drives us and that is hopefully something that will drive us even further. And that's something, that's a reason why I think we, we do not depend on whether we get 2%, 5%, or 50% in next year's elections.
2: So I asked Barnabas and Miklos to tell me how many of Momentum's members have a background in party politics.
0: I think, like, really the vast majority of us has, like, never really been part of any party. No, like, I mean, I know people who were part of parties, but me personally, I've never been to part of any party. And
1: Yeah, I think we have, personally, again, I, I, I haven't been either, but, but we have a few members who, who perhaps worked on campaigns, or have interned, or have been the assistant of politicians, but but in general, I think we we are pretty far away from politics. Um, some of our members have you know you know relatives who were in politics or relatives who who worked in government, uh, which I think um, is not something to be to be ashamed of. It's quite it's funny. A small that country, they, and it's it's yeah, it's impossible not to have a relative yeah. who was somehow connected, but but yeah. I would say overall we, we are pretty new to this.
2: I asked them what it's like to transition from a movement into a party.
0: I wouldn't say we are not a movement now. We still feel like a movement and we, we don't want to act like what you would expect from a party. You know, go into parliament and then just do some voting then have some, I don't know, just talk with the media the way parties talk with the media. and. And that is because we see how ineffective it was for years. So uh, we have this saying that, you know, it doesn't matter if we get into the parliament, we will, you know, we will do the basics there. We will, you know, uh, do legislation research and so, but we will concentrate our efforts outside the parliament to change the way people think, to change the, pa- uh, the way people feel they can participate in politics. That politics doesn't happen in, you know, some faraway houses, but is actually closely connected, you know, just uh, the common things like just uh, taking care of of, of of the public, so basically the decision was whether to do no. There were two decisions. The first one whether to to move on and have this aim of try to go on the elections, and we had the the debate on this uh, last year, last November, and uh, yeah, the, and then the majority f- uh, thought that we we have to try it because there is no other way. Basically, you know, if you wait another four years, there might not be any democracy left to you know to be part of. So. Mm-hmm. So in the end, we decided to do uh, the the elections, and then the the Olympics campaign. Uh, it which was basically, you know, we just saw that they are seriously trying to make an Olympics in a country which doesn't really have uh, a good healthcare system. That's that's a euphemism. It's, we have a really bad healthcare system, and like uh, the education is just really bad, and all of these things. And then we try to spend on money which is like more than 10% of uh, one year's GDP. Which is like three times as much as we have, uh, spend on healthcare on Olympics. So we got outraged, and then we, it also occurred to us that this, this could be an entry point into politics because we knew that once we 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 do this, uh, there's not going to be any turning back. And uh, we in the beginning we did it really consciously, not to not to enter the the public sphere because we knew how it works. You know, uh, Miki can. You know, he learned it on his own height that you know they are g- going to uh, do all sort of lies on you in order to make you insecure and so. So we we made we made this decision to be under the radar for some time, but you know at a certain point you know both the situation in Hungary and our feeling just got to this tipping point that we have to do this now. We have to do it publicly, and then it became obvious. Yeah, what's What's, what's the best way to make, make a change? And then uh, we were accused of not being honest about whether we want to become a party. But from the very, very beginning, even in the original nine people who invented this, it was clear to them that, you know, in a normal country, you can make a change with a civil, uh, civil organization. In Norway, you can make a change with that. But in Hungary, where uh, civil organizations are being chased by the government,
1: the only real way to make change is to make a political party and change the current regime just to just to continue on barney's point i think it makes a big difference that we don't have that kind of label we're not a parliamentary party we are a party outside the parliament but everyone sees that in terms of actually the the pressure we could exert uh we are we are pretty much on the same level as some of the opposition parties if not above them um what what also makes i think quite a big difference is that we we were always conscious about how we organize ourselves before we were registered as a party. We we are still not registered. It's we are we only started the registration process. But before we started this registration process, we were registered as an association, and and that already that kind of formality already put us uh, put some constraints on us. But we also ourselves started to to build up some kind of internal hierarchy, and to to build up some internal project management and have some kind of workflow. Um, you could see in the Olympia campaign exactly, we, we, we were pretty professional. Just to go back to this guy I interviewed on Tuesday, he said that he's 53 now, four years ago, or no, three years ago um, in the elections. He was also campaigning with another party, but they expected him to carry the stand himself to um, whatever square that they were trying to, you know, um, get signatures. And in the Olympia campaign, we had people responsible for that who just carried out the stand, left here, and went for the next stand. And and I think if you just look at our workflow, it, it seems to be more professionalized than some of the parties again. I think I think we still have a long way ahead of us. But but one of the areas where parties have always failed, Hungarian parties have always failed, is that they they never really attempted to professionalize and they never really attempted to become sustainable. If, if you look at Fidesz now, they're, they're still holding on to their power, but, but how, how many people from our age do you see there? All, all of the kids you see there are
2: opportunists. And, and I think that... Well, that's a pretty serious allegation to make there. Well, um, I'm not going to agree or disagree with it, but, but, uh, but how do you mean? I mean, what's, what's stopping you guys from approaching them? And finding out whether they'd be willing to be opportunists with, uh, I think with we're momentum. very
1: happy to uh, approach them, and we are very ha- happy to debate with them. But the way the way they approach us, for example, when when we go across the country, we we you know we we sit down with two hundred people in a room, and and you know in small circles of ten people or so, and start talking to them, and they are just standing outside and protesting, saying that. Momentum doesn't like rural Hungary or something.
2: So I asked them whether Momentum would be interested in joining a unified opposition platform in the run-up to the 2018 national elections.
1: No,
0: really not. Like that's our basic axiom. Like it's, uh, it's in a way, it's this this uh, getting together thing was the the thing which which uh, which kickstarted the whole thing like uh, our current uh president like he was watching the news of like the thing that thing happening and you know you could just see the people there standing there like no one was happy about the outcome
2: you mean in the 2014 end of 2013 and yeah. that's
0: when he realized and other people realized that this is like this this political uh, elite is not gonna change the country and you you we, we we just have to get our fate in our own hands because it's, it's not going to uh, go otherwise.
2: I asked Miklos and Barnabas to explain why it has taken until now to really mobilize young people behind one particular issue. Is momentum actively targeting young people?
1: Well, it's, it's a good question what's going on with young people. I think another fear people often have is that young people are getting radical. And, and if you look at Jobbik, much of their core is actually young people. If you look at, I think... The population under thirty-five, more than fifty percent, sympathizes with the Obi. Yeah, a lot of least, college
2: students too. Yeah,
1: um, so so I think I think there's a challenge there because I don't think it's because they're radical necessarily, or they might be radical in some questions, but you know they are not mind-blown nationalist, xenophobic guys, freaks, uh, in in a certain way. They are they are normal people who who haven't really seen an alternative, who haven't been addressed by any of the political parties currently, because these parties. Only care about their core voter base and only target them, and and if you are negliged by such a large extent, then then um, you either become apolitical completely, or or you start shifting to more radical parties that do seem to care about you. So so I think Momentum's challenge here is is to address apolitical young people and to address people who who might not be actually voting. Uh, for a party they would prefer,
2: but are voting for the least worst choice. Are you guys targeting young people, though? Are you targeting this age group? So let's this 18 to 35 age group. We don't
0: necessarily need to target them because, you know, we are them in a way at, at a certain point. And, and we've been often been described as a generational party, which we are not. Like we, we welcome everyone from all age groups. But I, I would like to go back to your earlier question about why now and I think the answer uh, answers to the second question is, and that is because, you know, a generation basically just grew up now, you know, the generation of, uh, of after the communist regime has uh, fallen, not just, you know, we were born, I was born 25 years ago, and um, the, the changing of the systems was 25 years ago, you know, you, you do some university, you do some studies, and then that's when you have your basically awakening, you know, I'm part of this society, I have to contribute to it, and you look around and yeah, okay, things are not really not going well, I have to change it. So I think you needed this time for a generation to grow up,
1: and that is why we, we got together now. Another thing, another thing that was really a big opportunity for us is really because a member of the european union Mm. so so when you look at orban and his crew uh they were all short kids they they all went in the 80s and, and studied in in oxford and they they even studied at the ceu in the early 2000s um so 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 many of those guys had a chance to see how politics works outside hungary um but probably not enough of them and probably they the The experience wasn't wasn't deep enough. Uh, they maybe went for a year or a few months. Um, I think in our case, we most of us spend quite a lot of time, years, or uh, and and you know, quite diverse experiences. Not just study, but also worked abroad in many different countries. Not necessarily just England, but also Germany, also Brussels. And, you know, joining the EU in 2004 for, yeah, people who who were born in the 80s, 90s, um, it was an opportunity for us to, to study and work abroad. And and this kind of opportunity, it, it politically socializes you in a way that you want to take the best practices and bring them home. And and whether these best practices are in entrepreneurship or whether they are in politics, I don't think it really matters. Uh, but I think it's this kind of attitude that... that People also respect regardless of age, really. Um, so I, I, I just talked to one of the cab drivers yesterday and he said that he's, he's pretty apolitical, but he likes the fact that people are young people are coming home and they are trying to you know use, use their knowledge and, and make something out of it here in Hungary.
2: One of the things I've heard Prime Minister Orban refer to is Hungary's democratic transition in 1989- 1990 as being a reference point, a sort of milestone for his generation. So I asked Barnabas and Miklos to tell me whether they think young people can appreciate the transition as a reference point, as, say, the prime minister does.
0: No, I mean, there is also one more thing we haven't experienced. We weren't really being socialized in socialism. We've, we've been socialized in democracy, so like that's that's our big reference point, and this is what uh, Miklos was also saying that you know we saw how democracy works. It's actually a good thing, you know. It's the or even if it's not the best thing, it's the least worst thing. We know how to govern people, and uh, Churchill. yeah, <laughs> and then and then that that is what that's that's our reference point our reference point is that you can freely travel in europe this is one of the big things we all agree in momentum that we we firmly stand with the west and we just don't understand how you know former enemies of the of the of the socialist era of the soviet of op- oppression uh, just suddenly became friends with russia you know we are really with the west and and we yeah that's basically
1: i think if your reference point as a politician is 89 then that pretty much explains why you're always looking for enemies (laughs) so 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 you know um i'm not sure if i can specifically name name a year or an age that's a political reference point for me i don't think it would be you know i don't think it's a problem if you have historical reference points i think we know history pretty well to to say that you know my My political views come from eighteen forty eight or something, yeah. and I'm a revolutionary guy. so so, I don't think that particular statement makes a lot of sense for Morban. but um, for us, I think certainly, um, I think there's there's been a lot of disappointment around how democracy and also capitalism work in Hungary. I think we've seen many people, Exploited in the 90s by this kind of system that no one really understood how it works. Um, it was also a, a strange transition um, that, you know, to some extent, the the former leaders of the former system were included. Both in the establishment of a political and both in the establishment of an economic elite.
2: And finally, I asked Barnabas and Miklos to tell me whether they think Hungary has a democracy.
1: I think
0: Orban called it what what it is. It's an illiberal democracy or an illiberal autocratic, dictatorial democracy. You know, you, you know, in 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 the old old days, you, you you had this. You know, it's the people's people's republic and people's democracy. Yeah. It usually meant that it's not the people's democracy. So it's it's a similar thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the game is absolutely not fair, but you know, I, I don't like when people say that we live in a dictatorship because it's not true. We, we do have free press. Yeah, it's hijacked by, by, by the government media. Yeah. Okay. So you have free elections. Yeah, but then you have this law which is so heavily favoring um, the the people uh, with the with the party with the gerrymandering. We also Uh, have gerrymandering. And we also have gerrymandering. You know. But you know, you can always point out examples that you know the United Kingdom also has gerrymandering. The I don't know what other country, maybe Azerbaijan has similar media system as us. And you know, it's, it's it's it's. what you see is that if you put all of this together, you you get this gut feeling
1: that something is not right, and mm-hmm. uh, and this is not how it's supposed to be. I think classifying democracies is also difficult for people in academia. Like they 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 don't have consensus around this question, um, and they often come up with weird definitions. Like is this a competitive autocracy? And they they try to put all sorts of labels on the country, but um, if you just if you just think about how, how, how you feel in this state um, do you feel well informed by you know reading the, the uh, what, what should be the number one public news channel? Um, it looks like the information you get there is completely biased. Um, when you look at the electoral system, do you feel like it's easy for you to vote if you are a Hungarian living somewhere in the European Union? Probably not because you have to go to an embassy to cast a vote or you have to fly home. Um, so, so, so all these questions, I think you could point out a lot of examples where access to democracy in certain ways, access to information, access to essentially all those things that enable you to practice those rights that you should have as a democratic citizen, um, that seems to be constrained by a large extent.
2: And that's it for our interview with Momentum Movements, Miklos Hainal and Bonobash Kadar. Thank you for tuning in to the Budapest Beacon podcast. Check out our articles, videos, and other podcasts at budapestbeacon.com. And let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash budapestbeacon or on Twitter at twitter.com budapestbeacon.